0: Marklebook. I can't even remember the hello in Arabic. That's depressing. It is us here in the Democratic People's Republic of This Week International. It is I, Andy, with my co-prince
1: Thomas. Just like Andorra. And we have episode nine to share with you. But first we're going to give a shout out to Ariuwegos. I am probably butchering that name, but... They wanted a shout-out on this podcast, so we are giving them a shout-out. If you want a shout-out, then you can DM us on Instagram at TWI12404, just asking for a shout-out, and we'd be happy to give you one. So, that's that. So, Andy, do you want to start off with your first story? Yes, I do.
0: Let me grab my paper here. So, I have Ivory Coast updates. Well, not really. It's more of an update and a news story. Let me grab my other paper with some info on it. So, as I talked about last time, about how Alassane Ouattara is basically tightening his drip on power. He um, did a little editing to the Constitution, meaning he can be in power for a longer time. And as I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but the Ivory Coast actually has had an election coming up at the time, and it still has an election coming up in about 24 hours. And in case you're wondering why in the world would they have an election on Halloween, Well, Ivory Coast does not celebrate Halloween, apparently, so they're not really having an election. So, um, politics nerds out there, you can have an election in the Ivory Coast and Halloween simultaneously.
1: Wait, Andy, honest question. Yeah? Are they Christian or Muslim? I honestly don't know.
0: Uh, I know more, uh, uh, I want to say, I don't know, (laughs) um...
1: i don't know uh that's a good question if they were muslim they probably wouldn't be celebrating halloween i mean they celebrate muslim
0: holidays so i can only assume that they are muslims i know more about ethnic stuff than religious stuff like okay like my religious strength as far as africa goes is Burkina faso but anyways um they're muslim right yeah no they're mostly muslim though i had 15 christian as well it's one of those weird ones where you think like Albania, where you would think they would be all one, but they're really not. Um, anyways, back on By topic. By the way, oh, go ahead, sorry.
1: I was just gonna say I uh, checked. Apparently, Ivory Coast is forty-three percent Muslim and thirty-four percent Christian. Oh, so there's no one majority. Interesting. And the Christians themselves are split between Catholics and Protestants. Seventeen point two percent are Catholics, and thirteen point five percent are Protestants.
0: Interesting Wow so anyways, back to Ivory Coast presidential election. So four major candidates have emerged in spite of Uatara's attempt for there not to be. Uh, Uatara himself, who is from the centrist liberal rally of the Republicans Party who we talked about last episode, along with his opposition leader, Pasolafi Nesan from the Ivorian Democratic Front, who was also vice president of Socialist International. Okay, so a little Ivory Coast history here. Ivory Coast was under a dictatorship, the Godbo regime, in two, the takedown of that regime in 2011. So that's fun. We'll be talking more about Godbo when, or Badbo, sorry, when uh, we get to another candidate. So the two other major candidates in this election are independent candidates, Kuwaitio uh, Conan Bertin, I probably just butchered that name, but he was a former member of the Democratic Party, which is the party of another candidate that we have not talked about yet. Uh, he was a member of National Assembly, uh, part of the military junta, and unlike Uatara's two other major challengers in this, uh, Henry Conan Bidi, who we'll talk about and is the current li- leader of the Democratic Party, and Pascal Afi Ngaesan, he has not been trying to incite civil disobedience, because of the election and Alasani Uatara's election corruption, if you will. So that's interesting. Okay, so the last major candidate here is Henry Clonan Beattie. And this guy has had a long life, I mean, in general. I have like a couple bullet points worth of notes for the other candidates, meaning because I already talked about two of them. I have a whole page on Henry Clonan Beattie. So. He is the leader of the Democratic Party, which is a populist conservative party in the Ivory Coast. And so he studied in France. He was the first ambassador to the United States and Canada and Minister of Economy and Finance, member of the National Assembly. So after a long time, President Félix Hufouet-Boigny, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that name, but Thomas is the one who took French, not me. Uh, he had a minor struggle with, guess who, Alassane Ouattara, who was incumbent prime minister at the time, Well, Henry Tuanan Beattie was leader of the National Assembly. And in case you're wondering who won and who was supposed to take over for Houphouet Boini, the man who was supposed to take over was Henry Tuanan Beattie, but Uatara put up a fight as prime minister against Beattie, who was at the time, I believe, president of the National Assembly of the Ivory Coast. As I forgot to mention, Beattie is actually the ex-president of the Ivory Coast, he was actually the second one as well. And so, well in charge, he made a rule that meant two candidates could not run, including Uatara. The rule was that you, you had to have parents of Ivoryan descent and have re- resided in the Ivory Coast for the last five years, leading to a boycott by the Ivoryan Democratic Front, uh, Pasto Afi Ndesant's party, and and rally of the Republicans, alessani Ouattara's party, in 1995, he won that election with 96% and, and only to be overthrown in a military junta or coup d'etat. I'm not really sure what the difference is. Um, on Christmas Eve 1999, I believe it was on or after the new year, he fled to Togo, where he was welcomed by Nasinabe Iadema. I probably butchered that name as well. So he was welcomed to Togo in 2000. He went to France, where he was charged with theft of public funds. And so this is where Badbo comes back. Uh, so did I mention Laurent Badbo earlier? I believe I did. I think you did. Laurent Badbo, who was at the time the newly elected leader of the Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast. He actually became dictator of the Ivory Coast for 10 or 11 years. Spoiler. Laurent Badbo actually urged him to return. I believe he did, but don't quote me on that. Basically, he ended up trying to run the 2000 election. Uh, he got in another fight with Uatara over a alleged... It's xenophobia over a term that I can nor pronounce nor I'm not sure I don't know um but it's, it's, it's a nationalist term in the Ivory Coast spent five more years in France and eventually came back to the Ivory Coast and kind of rebelled against Bobbo well he's now running in 2020 for the leader of the Ivory Coast so uh I skipped a lot on Henry Conan Bedi but um Yeah, it's a long story that probably deserves its own special if we decide to ever do that. I mean, there are other specials I kind of want to do. So, uh, yeah. Um, What do you think?
1: Um, Well, I hope the election is fair, and I hope that there's no corruption in it. I mean, there probably will be, so we should probably just prepare for that. But, I mean... I do think that Uatar is probably going to win just because I've seen elections like these and it always seems like kind of the strong man wins. And then another thing you asked about a junta. So apparently a junta is the government itself. That is a result of a coup d'etat, and a military government, that's the right term to use. Oh, okay, thank you. So, a coup d'etat creates a junta. But, yeah, um, I mean, I definitely am more sympathetic to Pascal and Gaison here, rather than...
0: Henry Conan Biddy or, uh, Cuadillo Conan Bertin. Well, Nissan and Biddy are both encouraging civil disobedience, but I will hand it to Beratin that he is yeah actually the only one that isn't encouraging civil disobedience, although I think you thoroughly fall into the civil disobedience category when you participated in a military junta
1: in the 90s, so uh, yeah. Well, what do you mean by civil disobedience? Because, I mean, I usually think civil disobedience is like peaceful protestant disobeying, like, dumb laws like for example like in the 1960s in the u.s like sitting on a bus with a black person even though you're not supposed to sit with them so i don't know what you define as civil disobedience but that's how i define it
0: i mean they did burn nason's house down so i mean in one of his offices so (laughs) i would i would call that safely civil disobedience
1: (laughs) yeah well yeah i mean i think i I think civil disobedience has a positive connotation so i don't want to like get civil disobedience confused with just lawlessness.
0: I mean, fair point.
1: Yeah, I define civil disobedience as breaking dumb laws. I don't have much else to say. Do you have much else to say on this topic? I mean, no, not really.
0: Want to move on to your next story?
1: Yeah, let's do that. So, do we want to talk about the Israel story or the France story first?
0: Whichever one you want to do. They're both kind of, uh, you know... uh... Pretty big, so it's up to you.
1: Well, let's do the Israel story. We're going to save the France one for last because we're going to have a lot to talk about on that one. So Sudan and Israel have normalized relations, and this is the third deal in 2020 that Israel's made with a neighbor. The first deal was the UAE deal, and the second deal was the Bahrain deal, and this new one is the Sudan deal. And President Trump, who's kind of involved in this deal, he's the one who's been negotiating it with Netanyahu, the president of Israel. Yeah, president... President or prime minister? President of Israel, I think. Hello, this is Thomas from the future. I just wanted to say that apparently Benjamin Netanyahu is the prime minister of Israel. That's good to know. I will not make that mistake again. And, um... Abdallah Hamdok, who is the Prime Minister of Sudan. And Trump removed Sudan from the U.S. list of terrorist sponsoring states, or states sponsor. He has removed Sudan from the U.S. list of state sponsors of terrorism. And he also said that at least five more Arab states wanted a deal with Israel. This deal, as you can expect, has angered many Palestinians who see the Sudanese most of whom are also Arabs, like the Palestinians, as traitors. And by doing this, um, they have removed the requirement set by many Arab countries that Israel withdraw from the West Bank and that Israel recognize East Jerusalem as the Palestinian capital in order for recognition. Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian Authority, denounced the new agreement, and Hamas did too. Hamas is a terrorist group in Gaza, if you don't know.
0: And the Parliamentary Party.
1: Yeah, they are. Netanyahu praised the deal and claimed it was a dramatic breakthrough for peace and the start of a new era. And Sudanese Prime Minister Amdallah Hamdok thanked Trump for removing his country from the U.S. terrorism list. That's a strange thank you, but yeah. Hey, thanks for not considering us terrorists anymore. No problem, sir. Mr. Trump also took this time to attack his Democratic challenger, Joe Biden. And he said to Hamdok and Netanyahu, Do you think Sleepy Joe could have made this deal? Somehow, I don't think so. Netanyahu replied by saying, and I'm not going to do an Israeli accent, I'm really bad at him, but he said, Well, Mr. President, one thing I can tell you is um, uh, uh we appreciate the help from peace from anyone in America. So it's pretty obvious to Netanyahu that he knows that he might be working with Biden next year. So he is definitely trying to prepare for Biden' office. And Biden's pro-Israel, but he will not. I don't think he'll do these kind of deals with really no concessions from the Israeli side. So what do you think about this? I mean, it's
0: complicated if it'll improve. Muslim-Israel relations, to the I mean, like, I don't know what has to happen, but, like, if you touch a straw over there, Israel Israel will get crushed by the Muslim nations over there. So, I mean, I think the positive that they are working with the Sudan to secure things... Well,
1: will they? Because they'll have our back. What do you mean? Like, Israel's not going to get crushed because we'll help them. Like, we've... Like, us in Israel, we probably have the closest military relationship in the whole world. So, I mean, if anyone invades Israel, then we would definitely enter on uh, Israel's behalf. Yeah, probably. And then I guess the main thing about this probably is I'm assuming that the reason that Trump and uh, Netanyahu want to make peace with Sudan is mostly because of Iran and some other countries that are very, they continue to be anti-Israel, but Iran's the main one, and they think that by making peace with a lot of their Arab neighbors, especially the ones who aren't Baathists like Assad is, yes, as long as you're not a Baathist and as long as you're Sunni, and as long as you dislike Iran, Israel kind of wants to be your friend, so. I think that a deal with Saudi Arabia is coming. I think it's going to be coming. Um, Well, it'll definitely happen if Trump wins re-election. I mean, he'll definitely do it in 21. But um, if Biden wins, then I think Biden will maybe ask for some concessions from the Israelis... And he might ask for some concessions from the Saudis too, because I mean, the Saudis, if they would definitely need to make some concessions there too. But yeah, I mean, I generally have the same feeling on a lot of these deals, which is one, it's dumb to not recognize Israel. Like Israel's there, Israel, uh, Israel exists, and Israel has a right to exist. So I definitely think it's dumb to just, like, not recognize the country. But it's, like, you're also just missing a lot of opportunities with a lot of these deals. Just, like, by having Israel do nothing. Like, I mean, they still have settlers in the uh, West Bank. Like, they need to have a way to get a bunch of their settlers out. And they have to have a plan. Because, I mean... You can debate over, oh, do the settlers have the right to be in the land, and we can have a long-form discussion on that sometime, but they, they need to get out, like, I at least in my eyes, they're illegally there. So, yeah, I mean, that's the main thing, I think, is, um, I think the whole Israel situation would be a lot better they could just freaking get the settlers out. Do you have any more thoughts on it? Not really. Okay, we're really uh, breezing by these. Moving
0: along? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So...
1: uh, My sentence story now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we go from a Israeli state to Egypt. Another country that has... Uh, that made peace with Israel, although they did it way back in 78, I believe. Anwar Sadat and Menachem Begin.
0: Okay, so... This story is about elections in Egypt, and they are coming up. And due to some, you know, that was last election. Sorry, the video was about last the last Egyptian election. So a grand total of five hundred sixty-eight seats, with four thousand candidates running, competing for half of of uh, Egypt's lower house. House, the House of Representatives of Egypt, I believe it is called. So what's supposed to happen here is this is supposed to be a, uh, this is supposed to secure power for Egypt's current president, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. And so the other 50% of the cross-representatives of Egypt is reserved for uh, over a 1,000 candidates running on four-party lists and 5% of Egypt's parliament is reserved for people El-Sisi will name. So the vote is taking place. Certainly a lot of criticism of the government, but Egyptian media are strongly supporting El-Sisi, mainly because of, I believe it's because of its crackdown on opposition. One of the major ones is the Muslim Brotherhood group the sisi actually came to power in 2014 after having a military coup, some, a not uncommon theme of my stories, over Egypt's first-ever democratically elected president, Mohammed Morsi, With this crackdown on opposition and banning opposition and coming to power via a military coup and ratcheting up a uh, crackdown on dissent over journalists, and pro-democracy supporters in Egypt, people are saying this is just going to be the cherry on top for the LCC government, if you will. So, what do you think to this? I mean, I think we're headed for uh, dictator mode here. I mean, this is... I, I'm not sure whether to say we're not quite at Ivory Coast level or not, but I don't know. Um, I think
1: it's worse. Oh, okay. I mean, LCC ran... In 2018, in a obviously fake election, like, really, what I don't remember what he got, like, 98% of the vote or something. Like, it's so obvious that no one could naturally get, sorry, not 98, only 97. Big difference there, but, uh, yeah, 97, there's no way that anyone would naturally get 97% of the vote. Like, I don't know, that's pretty obviously fake. And I definitely think that uh, if it's not a complete dictatorship, then it is at least like a one-party state, basically, or a one-alliance state where LCC and his buddies are in control. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Will Egypt return to democracy? We'll have to see in 2024. For some reason, the next election is in 2024 instead of 2022, I guess they increase the terms from four years to six years. I hope that democracy returns there, although it's a bit shaky, really, how good their democracy ever was. I mean, if you go back, um, the last democratic election they had was 2012, and of course, as you mentioned, that was Morsi, and Morsi ended up getting overthrown And then before that, they had their dictator, Hosni Mubarak. So, I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical that Egypt is going to be democratic soon, but I would love to be surprised. So, I don't know really what will happen, but I do think that... LCC will probably just have a crony, like some sort of a buddy of his, run in 24, and they'll probably win in a fraudulent election. I think Erdogan actually planned on doing that at one point
0: for their next, quote, election. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. I think Erdogan ended up deciding, no, I think I will leave the AKP for a little longer.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's funny you mentioned that, because we literally can't go an episode without mentioning Turkey. Yeah, no. Yeah, here Literally, we go. Another turkey mention. Physically impossible. It's <laughs> impossible. Well, don't worry. We'll get to some more turkey in a little bit.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, is that part of your next story? Yeah,
1: that is part of my next story. So. That's funny because, uh, yeah. Okay, I have a little bit. Oh, of you do? Section. Then go ahead.
0: Uh, remember the story I was going to do about Pakistan? Anyways, yeah, I
1: did read a little bit into that, but go ahead. Oh wait, do you want me to do the next story or? Yeah, oh, I looking okay. more bad. So our next story brings us to France, and it involves a middle school history teacher named Samuel Paty, and he was knifed to death and beheaded near his school on October 16th. Why was he beheaded? You might ask. It's because he showed his students cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad in early October. So, if you don't know, showing images of Muhammad is considered blasphemous by Muslims. And there's really no good analogy for it in other faiths. But I guess the closest you can get to it would be, like, going into a classroom and showing a sign with the N-word written on it. Like, I don't know. Just don't do it. The attacker, who is a Chechen Muslim, who I will not name because I don't like to give these guys publicity, because people like to make uh, cults around uh, serial killers and murderers and terrorists, and I don't like to do stuff like that. I don't, I don't want to encourage stuff like that, so I try to not name these guys, and I won't name any like school shooters or bombers or anything like that. But anyway, the attacker, who is a Chechen Muslim who I won't name, was killed later on that day, October 16th, by the French police. Now, here's where it gets controversial. Immanuel Macron, the president of France, praised Samuel Paty and said One of our fellow citizens was assassinated today because he was teaching. He was teaching pupils about freedom of expression. Our compatriot was flagrantly attacked. And he was the victim of an Islamist terrorist attack. They won't win. We will act. Firmly and quickly, you can count on my determination. Many are comparing this story to the Charlie Hebdo story from 2015. Where cartoonists at Charlie Hebdo, which is a cartooning company, uh, were shot, many of them were shot and killed because they published cartoons depicting Muhammad. And Samuel Patti's murder was interpreted by many as an attack on French secular values. So French, the French are very obsessed with secularism. Like, their secularism is different than, like, American secularism, or most of Canadian sec- secularism. Not Quebec, but, like, English-Canadian secularism. More it's, like, in America and English, sorry, in English-speaking Canada and in... Uh, I believe Australia and New Zealand. Basically the way secularism works is you are free to practice any religion you want as long as it doesn't as long as you don't force it on others. So basically I can go outside and I can wear like a little necklace that has the cross of Jesus Christ on it, or if you're Jewish you can wear a yarmulke, or if you're Muslim you can wear a hijab. And no one makes a big deal about it because you're not forcing everyone to wear a hijab or you're not forcing everyone to wear a yarmulke. You're not forcing everyone to wear a little cross on your neck. But in France, basically the way that secularism works there, and they call it laïcité, the way it works there is that you can uh, believe whatever you want in your own home, but you can't show your faith in public. So basically, they don't like hijabs in public, they don't like yarmulkes in public, and they don't like you expressing your religion in public, uh, even if it's not, like, intruding on the rights of others. Like, I'm pretty sure they're not a big fan of, like, evangelical street preachers. But much of this whole, oh, we're just into secularism, has been targeted at Muslims, Largely. The attacker supposedly shouted Allahu Akbar, meaning God is most great in Arabic, while he was doing the beheading. And two days later, on October 18th, two French Muslim women were stabbed in Paris after being called dirty Arabs, and two Jordanians were beaten at Angers, a French city, later on October 22nd. So this is really dumb, it's just like, you don't like... Uh, I mean, everyone should hate what this uh, guy did when he killed Samuel Pati, But, like, you don't take this out on regular Muslims. Like, that's one of the dumbest things to do. Like, it's just blatantly Islamophobic. And you're a terrible person if you just, like, take out one guy's actions on a whole community. But this is where it gets really interesting. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan called Turks to boycott French goods on October 26th after macron's comments. And he said that Macron should get a mental health check. Because of him saying that Macron should get a mental health check, France recalled its ambassador from Ankara, which is the Turkish capital. And other Muslim countries also called for boycotts of French products. So they followed in Erdogan's Footsteps, which, by the way, I just think is kind of dumb. Like, Macron's, um, his comments were kind of, they were weird, and they weren't really smart comments, but I wouldn't boycott France over them. And Charlie Hebdo, which is that company that we talked about that published the original cartoons in 2015, um, mocking Mohammed, but... Um, They published a cartoon mocking Erdogan on October 28th, which angered the Turkish government even more. And actually, just recently, um, there's been a lot of kind of unrest over this, including three people who were killed in a knife attack at a church in Nice um, yesterday, October 29th. So, Andy, what do you have to say about all this?
0: You know that phrase, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around to hear it, did it really fall?
1: I feel like I've heard that.
0: Yeah, I have that feeling about this teacher. Like, if a teacher shows Muhammad in a classroom and there are no Muslims around to see it, is it really offensive to Muslims? I mean, like, Well, that's just my thought
1: on this. Like, I'm not trying to argue one way or the other. I don't know. I think there might have been Muslims in the classroom, though. You have to know that. You have to understand that. Like, Muslims make up, like... I believe somewhere between, like, 6 and 10% of the population, so. I mean, you'll see Muslims as much in France as you probably see, um, like, Asian Americans here in the States. Oh, okay. So they're very common. It's not like Poland or Lithuania, where countries like those, especially countries in Eastern Europe... They don't have that many Muslims. Like, there aren't that many Muslims in Poland, Lithuania, Belarus, or Hungary, or I think Romania. might be wrong there, but it's not like there. Like, France is one of the countries with the highest uh, proportion of Muslims in Europe, um, with the exception of North Macedonia, and then Bosnia, Herzegovina, Albania, and Kosovo. Those three are mostly Muslim. I've
0: actually done a lot of research into religious statistics for those countries. And so Albania is like 56%, I think, Muslim. And then they have like 15 or 16% Christian. And then they practice this weird dervish order called Betashi there, which is kind of interesting. Bosnia is the weird thing because it's like one-third Muslim, uh, one-third, or I'm not sure if it's Orthodox, but like... So Orthodox or Protestant, yeah, and Orthodox, then it's the like one-third Catholic, and then, there's that, then, they're, yeah, then they so have you're... that weird ethnic makeup where they're also kind of the same ethnically, except it's like 50% Bosnian, and then like 30-something percent Serb, and then like 15-ish to fifteen percent Cro, I think, like, yeah, but Bo- Bosnia's Bosnia is like, but it's like, it's, it's parallel too, so it's like, there's like 50-something percent Bosnians, and then there's also 50-something percent Muslims, and then other the depth level. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. Bosnia's Bosnia's kind of odd in that way.
1: Yeah, they're all just the same ethnic group. They're all uh, Serbo-Croats, um, but Bosnian Serbs and Croats all just decide to call themselves a different ethnic group. Oh, because they practice a different religion. Because the Croats are Roman Catholic and the Bosniaks are Muslim and. Sunni Muslim, if you want to be more specific. but uh, the the Serbs are uh, Orthodox. And then uh, North Macedonia, I've spent some time in both North Macedonia. Actually, I've spent time in North Macedonia, Croatia, Bosnia, and Serbia. But North Macedonia, it's um, Orthodox, but there is a Muslim minority there who are mostly Albanian in the northwest corner and the Albanian community is quite big there. And then I believe there also are some Muslim Bulgarian groups. I believe they're called the POMACs who are around there too. They might be more in Bulgaria. I'd have to look into them. But they're not super big, but they're just probably they're worth giving a mention to. But yeah, I just think it's really dumb to portray cartoons of Muhammad in class. Like, I mean, I don't know. Again, it's like, really, like, would you... P- I mean, it's offensive to Muslims. Like, that's just the best way to put it. Like, I would not want someone, like... Um, if I was Muslim, I would not want someone portraying Muhammad or... I mean, I'm a Christian. I wouldn't really like it if someone portrayed Jesus Christ twerking or something like that. Yeah, sure. Like, that would be pretty dumb in my opinion and i know people who they are more i'm not gonna say hardline but they would get way more offended than i would <laughs> oh like yeah if that would be, that be of. Me. if i saw a video of like of jesus christ like working or something like that or like someone like making fun of him and or something strange like that like i just think like okay that's not funny like that's not cool like you shouldn't do that I would be the guy sending a letter to YouTube
0: saying to take that off. That would be me.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. Look, there would be, there would be tons of people, at least here in the states, and I know especially, especially in like Eastern Europe too, who, if something like that got really big, like they could definitely, uh, they could definitely be something, there, like some sort of a viol- violent, action there. So I don't know. I. But yeah. I mean. Islamic terrorism is a problem. Like, it definitely is a problem. But I just don't think he should try to take actions that could, that should instigate it. And I'm not a fan of laicite, either. And I think the French are way too obsessed with their weird notion of secularism. Like, I like, I think we should all just have the, sort of, the, the English secularism. Uh, the old British secularism, which kind of originated in the 1600s when people like Queen Elizabeth the first, not the second, um, sort of promoted tolerance and recognition between Catholics and Protestants. But I think that every country should have that form of secularism, instead of either theocracy or laicite. But that's just me. Do you have anything else to say on this? Not really. Oh, also, by the way, Erdogan saying Macron should get a mental health check. Like, come on, dude. Like Erdogan, you're the dude who you tried to run a candidate and for uh you tried to run a candidate from your party to run for the mayor mayorship of Istanbul. The guy lost. You demanded that they rerun the election so your guy could win. Wow. And- he lost again. Wow. I mean, Dane, shade, <laughs> like, like what? I'm pretty sure it was the same guy too. Let me look. Let me, let me check. Is it the same dude from the AKP? Um, yeah, same dude from the AKP. What's the saying again? Insanity is doing the same thing Multiple times and expecting a different outcome, like, dude, like, if anyone's insane, it's you. (laughs) But yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't think Erdogan should be um, in any place to judge others. Like, this dude is a guy who jails journalists, he kills people he doesn't like, he basically censors any talk of the Armenian genocide. He seems very against democracy. He is a dictator wannabe. Uh... Do you have any more thoughts, or...?
0: No, not really. Do you want to wrap this up?
1: Yeah, so this has been kind of a shorty. So... I don't know how long our next episode will be. I don't know if this is just a one-off, but it just so happened that this episode turned out to be pretty short. Um, Which is nice, because... uh, We're both students, so we have school. But um, thanks for listening. You can find us on a bunch of different platforms. I'm going to pull them up right now on Anchor. You can find us on Anchor. You can find us on Breaker. You can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on Pocket Casts. You can find us on Radio Public and you can find us on Spotify. Also, our RSS feed is https://anchor.fm/s/316e982c/podcast/rss. So, thank you for listening and we will cue the outro music.